morning. Happy Saturday morning to you out there, wherever you happen to be. I hope it's a beautiful day, just like it is here. I'm Rob Hall. I'm along with Beth Guckenberger. Yes, you are. And, uh, gosh, time is flying by. I know. Where is time going? Oh, I know it's almost October, which I love October because it's my birthday month. And it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, fun. it's the month of fires and hot cider and yeah. soup and apple pie. Apple pie, apple pie and apple fritter and apple. All this Midwestern stuff. The people in, like, you know, yeah. San Diego are like, what are you talking about? But here in the Midwest, that's what it. We do like all those things. I, was, I don't even look here. But we got a we got a good show today. It's I, in my roots. I, I I I know how we get these guests because you are you know relatively famous compared to the rest of us, so you rub shoulders with all of these folks. But I mean, Greg Smalley's on our show today. I have long respected Focus on the Family. I mean, long respected their ministry and the things that they've done on the front lines of the family war for a long time. Yeah, and so we'll begin to know him a little bit. So our listeners will get to know him a little bit. He's got a new book coming out that uh, we got the pre-read for. And, and again, when you rub shoulders with, you, you get the books before they actually come on the market. So the best advice I ever got on marriage is uh, is his new book, and we're going to be talking about that. I think it comes uh, comes out early next year. It does. It's a compilation. So, you know, they gathered a lot of folks who have a lot of wisdom. They've married collectively a whole bunch of years and yeah. asked them what their best advice is. Yeah, that's a powerhouse family. Gary Smalley, obviously, I read a lot, you know, uh, doing the counseling thing when I was in practice and doing all that. And now Greg is his doing his thing as his Gary's son. And so, man. Okay, speaking of the best advice you ever got in marriage. Yeah, yes. Um, I know you've given a lot of advice in marriage, Mr. Counselor, but like, tell me something that someone told you at one point that just stuck. Yeah, probably the biggest thing, you know, and, and maybe I'll crush a lot of people's advice that they've already gotten. I don't know, but it worked for us. Okay. I'll just leave it at that. Not How many years have you been married? Uh, 21 years. Okay. So, so far, know, so good. And it's better than it ever was. Okay. So it's a good thing, and I can honestly say that. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we got the advice when we were first married about never go to bed angry, mm-hmm. right? We got that advice. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work for us. So you frequently go to bed angry? Yes. Interesting. Yes. In the morning at all, like his mercies are new every morning. Well, no. The best advice that I got, and I would actually, in sometimes in counseling, because people would basically at late at night, you're tired and it's still fresh and raw, and so you just end up fighting. And you end, I can't say you. We would end up fighting. We don't ever fight. And just and kidding. so it just wasn't productive. I mean, it was like it just got worse. And not only that, we were just tired the next day, and you know, whatever. So I talk a lot about immediacy. You know, you. You handle a conflict immediately when it, it's going to turn out okay. But if you're so hot and crazy and bothered and all that stuff, nothing's going to get resolved. You're just going to yell at each other. So actually the best advice we got was sometimes you just got to say enough. Go to sleep, remind each other that you love each other, and that you'll fix it in the morning. And then you're, you're rested. You have time for it to just sink in. You realize the next morning it's not that it wasn't that big a deal. Interesting. So we kind of jettisoned the "don't go to bed angry" advice, which is for, in the Bible, for the for the wait until you really can resolve the conflict. So I guess technically we, we didn't go to bed angry. We said, "I love I you say, and you love me, and we'll fix this tomorrow." Right. And yeah, that's still the heart of that message. Don't yes. allow conflict to linger on. For, that's right. Do you find that the longer you've been married, the faster your resolutions come? No. 
<laughs> Do you find that in your marriage? I just find there's a whole lot less I'm willing to fight. Like I, we say in our marriage, is this a hill you want to die on? Yeah. And sometimes one person does and one person doesn't, and then you just, whatever, okay, well, it's not my hill to die on, so you can win. But then, you know, you save the conflicts for really the things you both want to die on. And so, and and so, just so, and so many things, our arguments, that really the root of them are like four things that we've always argued about forever. Yeah. And so it's really nothing new, yeah. very rarely. And so in that in that way, we kind of know where the argument's going to go and where it's going to end. And and but there's just something you know almost irresistible about. I've got to remind you about why I'm right about this, and she's going to remind me about why she's right about that. And, <laughs> and so it's like, God. And then we get to the end. And it's like, okay, that was about you know I'm way too lenient and you're way too serious, and that's the same argument we had like day two of our marriage. Oh. So okay, move on. That reminds me, um, Ken, Ken Blanchard says in in the book the best advice I ever got in marriage that there was a point by Greg Smalley who will be on our show yeah. in the next segment in the next segment <laughs> but just basically the, there was a turning point in their relationship which is now 50 some years long when they decided to accept the total package of the other person and not just love the parts that they love yeah. and yeah. Ir- be irritated by the parts they're too, but to say, if I get all of you or none of you, I choose all of you and that means the parts about you that are hard for me that's great marriage advice right there. Chapter one, honey. Chapter one. It's already good. I mean, we could sit on chapter one for like a couple of months. That's um, a that's a you could end it there if you wanted. Yeah. That's a good thing. And do, like, do you get do you find like where do you get your marriage advice from? Are you reading books? Are you you know twenty one years later after being married like you know where are you getting your advice from? Are you talking to your friends about things? Yeah, most of the time. I have a uh, my daughter's about to get married, and I've talked about on that on the air before in a few months and so you know they're open to advice they're reading books they're going oh, to yeah. marriage counseling they're oh, asking yeah. people questions there's like fresh and new you're and exciting season where you just you know you're just hungry for that but you know 21 years later are you hungry to change the things that are broken or are you just you know willing to live with the things that are broken man what is this like put Robin spot geez, some serious questions happy Saturday um, yeah 8 o'clock Saturday morning what, what was the question do I do, do I want to <laughs> fix things that are broken and or, or I guess I just think you know, there, there are some things that are never going to get fixed. <gasps> oh, my gosh. I don't agree with that. No, I absolutely. <laughs> I don't yeah. agree with that. No, I just mean there, there are certain things. Like I said, we've argued over no. for 21 years. No, 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 no. But you can grow, change, and be renewed. Did, did she ask right. me the question? <laughs> she asked me the question. Oh, my gosh. But then you're about to blasphemy on the no. air. That I shared the name of the show no. with. All things can be made new. All things can be redone, rebuilt, reconstructed, you didn't, rescued, You didn't even repaired. let me. Okay, this, is like, this is like being at home. <laughs> didn't even let me finish the answer. This might be a hill I want to die on, <laughs> frankly. But you go ahead. What I was going to say <laughs> was it doesn't matter to us that those things are really not, they're not worth digging deep. and It's just... They're quirks about one another, and so we choose to overlook them. We just say, eh, this, there's more important things for us to move on and talk about and stuff other than, Rob, you need to be more, um, you know, safety-minded with our kids. Like, I, I'm just not going to do that. And Christine is not going to be more lenient. It's just we're just going to move on from that. And so instead of wasting our time saying, what is it about you that needs to change, we're going to say, let's just move on. That's you. What, what, what happened to Chapter 1 of Dr. Smalley's book <laughs> of embracing all of the person regardless, right? And so that's what we're choosing to do. 
Yeah, I guess so. I just Man. believe wholeheartedly that he that began a good work in me will carry it on to completion. And so I want to know that the things about me that are hard to live with, let God in the Holy Spirit. Like insisting that everything that's hard to live with will be fixed. Right? Yeah. That would be one of those things. I'm just saying that not very often does the blood pressure spike, but maybe it just did. And this is what it it did. Like. You almost jumped out of your chair. Oh, I just do love the idea that all things. That, I mean, you said at the beginning, and I do agree with this. That oh, good. I just uh, I had a pastor just call me this week, and he's getting ready to do a um, series on marriage and relationships and all things intimate. And uh, he wanted a female communicator's perspective. And I said, one of the myths is that you, f- you say to yourself, whatever we have is as good as it's going to get. In fact, it's actually in a state of disrepair because it was really good when we fell in love. But now, after this point, it's going to just go downhill. Actually, I think there, I'd have to ask Greg, but I think I remember reading Gary Smalley's Connecting book. And he said, there's sometimes there's some things you just, why go there? Right, like, oh, deep therapy, i got to go fix that thing that's not fixed, and say, well, why? Instead of focusing on what's broken, let's focus on the things that bring us joy and health and growth and purpose. And so why would I, th- that's just an argument we're always going to have. So let's have it, move on, let's, and I love you, you love me, so. Yeah, I do like that. I do like that, I love you, I you love me part, but I just want to say that I do think that all things, I think they can get, it can only get better. All right, we're going to ask Greg. Let's, let's just keep reading advice books because it can only I, it, get it better. Can only, I'm with you on that. Wow. I, I, people probably, I don't know if they listened or turned off the radio. Greg Smalley is going to be with us after the, the break. The we'll expert. Ask him. We'll ask him. Talking about questions. his new book and all of those things. So come back. Join us after the break. This is Real Life, Real Talk. I'm Rob. That's Beth. We'll see you in a minute. He found shelter under the rock and lay there looking at the stars. God, do you remember me? In Tales of the Not Forgotten by Beth Guckenberger, Joel dares to ask for what he can't have. Serafina sacrifices what she can't afford to give. Ibram looks for an answer buried out of reach. And Christina, saved by a mission, searches for her own. Follow these life-changing stories as they take you on a journey to faraway lands and unfamiliar faces. Travel through their challenges and see the hand of the great story weaver writing endings you'd never imagine. These are the tales of the ones the world doesn't see, tales of the not forgotten. In Tales of the Not Forgotten, learn how God is the great story weaver, weaving the threads of our lives into a strong and beautiful sign of his love. Check out Tales of the Not Forgotten book and missions materials by Beth Guckenberger. For more information or to purchase, go to your local Christian supplier or visit standardpub.com. See lives transformed. Welcome back. This is Real Life, Real Talk. I'm Rob Hall along with Beth Guckenberger. We hope you're having a great Saturday morning wherever you are. Beth, how are you? I'm doing great. You, you okay after our little banter there in the first? I'm, I'm so pretty sure good? I'm are right. We, I'm practicing my immediacy skills. Are, I, are we good? Yes, Dr. Oh, Bobby, there. That's a good thing. 
I think we're going to have to ask the expert, our guest, a little bit about where he weighs in on our discussion. Nah, he's got more important things to talk about. But we do. I mean, where are we getting these people? I mean, we're getting big people here. This is a great show today. This is going to be a great show today, applicable to everyone listening. I think so. Dr. Uh, Greg Smalley is our, is our guest, and his bio is exceedingly long. I mean, <laughs> it could take the whole show for me to read just the bio. He's got a doctoral degree from Rosemead School of Psychology at Biola two master's degrees, from one from Denver Seminary in Psychology, the other from the Rosemead School. He's written a ton of books. He comes from an incredibly um, kind of famous family as far as in the Christian realm and authors. His dad, Gary Smalley, most people probably have heard of. But the purpose for our show today, amongst those many things that we may hear about, is to talk about uh, a new book, The Best Advice I Ever Got on Marriage, which, uh, which Greg is a part of. And so we are excited to have him on the show. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for being with us this morning. Hey, thanks for having me on today. One of the things I loved about the book were all the different little vignettes, all the, all the, I just, I loved hearing all the different voices. I loved, I was just saying I have a daughter who's getting married this fall, and so in our world we're all about wedding and marriage advice and premarital counseling, and people are always pouring into her and giving her input and advice, and so we're kind of in, in that little stage, and my husband and I have been married quite a while, and I, I, I just, I loved hearing the richness of relationships who, you know, had been going on for a decade long, starting with chapter one with the 50-year marriage of the Blanchards. Is there a particular chapter that you just want to start off the bat here telling us kind of what was one of your favorites to stand out for you, some of the best advice that you saw as you were collecting all these input? You know, probably my father's, chapter where he talks about the importance of really honoring each other you know we grew up hearing about this concept I mean my dad was constantly saying hey you need to honor each other you need to value you know treat each other in valuable ways and you know it, it he embarrassed us all the time when we were little you know we'd have our friends over and my dad would literally come in walk in and, and I'd be sitting with my friends playing video games or whatever and he would drop down on his knee and say whoa I'm in the presence of the one of the most valuable people that I know. And I just would, I mean, I'd die and say, you know, he forgot to take his medication today, so uh, <laughs> don't worry about him. Um, but, you know, as I look back, as embarrassing as, you know, some of these moments were, that's probably one of the best advice that I ever got on how to have a great marriage. And uh, there's, there's this verse in the Bible in Ephesians that says that we are to cherish and nourish each other. And, and, and that goes right along with what my dad really talked about, is that I, I think if we're going to have a great marriage, if all we ever did was just cherish each other and nourish each other, I think that would go so far. Because cherish is that idea of honor. That when we look at, when I look at my wife, we've now been married 20 years. You know, when I look at my wife, I need to recognize how incredibly valuable she is you know i need to i need to realize that this is someone that 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 god the god of this universe said that that she is his treasured possession that jesus says that my wife is his glorious inheritance you know in 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 the extent that i do that boy that 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 can make her feel really safe but i'll tell you what you know when i'm mad or hurt or frustrated you know that that's it's easy to lose sight of that and, and that's why I know for me that, that I really want to keep that, that vision in front of me that, man, I, I have a, an amazing wife, very, very valuable. And I think it begin, a great marriage begins with that idea. 
Now, I know that uh, you have, um, you're the president of the Smalling Marriage Institute in Branson, Missouri. And with your background, you could have chosen any number of things sort of to be your area of expertise or something that you wanted to focus on. What really moved you and your wife to make healthy marriages the center of, of what you guys do? Yeah, you know, you probably, one, growing up watching my parents' marriage, they've been married, I think, now about 48 years. I think they just celebrated that 48th wedding anniversary. You know, so seeing that, seeing that, that it's possible that when two people really say that divorce isn't an option, you know, we, we can do this. It's There's enough information out there. There's a... There's enough knowledge and skills. Beth, I love that you were talking about that, you know, you're in this season to where your your daughter's getting married. You know, we, we the, the research says that if you get some sort of premarital training, some kind of premarital education, that that 80% of those couples stay together. I mean, think about wow. that. That's, 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 you know, we talk about the pill for, you know, keeping yeah. marriages together, the magic wand, and that's one of them right there. You know that, that that when we when we go into marriage, you know, having done all we can do to prepare, you know that that really does make a difference. And so, you know, I saw my parents' marriage. You know, I remember as I was growing up, just you know, being at seminars that my dad that he was writing, uh, putting on, and and people would come up and say, hey, you know, thanks for sharing your dad. He saved our marriage. And I didn't know really what was going on, but but you know that that left a huge imprint. And, you know, so as I, as I kind of went through college and, and thought about what I wanted to do, you know, I really loved the thought of, hey, how can I continue to help strengthen marriages? And so that kind of, that just that upbringing and watching all that happen really, had to, you know, it had a huge influence on me. I know uh, a lot of people in our audience are newly married. I mean, you know, maybe five years or less. Or, and, uh, you know, a lot of times out of the gate, after the first nine months, after the first year, you know, the honeymoon's sort of over, those kind of marriages can really struggle. And so, you know, what kind of advice or or um, what kind of things might you say to the relatively newly married couple who's saying, gosh, I don't I don't know that I can do this for a lifetime? Yeah, you know, for, for my wife and I, we, we got married, um, you know, we were, I think I was 23, she was 24. And by the way, I love how I fell in love with my wife. There was a moment that I knew that I really wanted to marry her, and, and it happened. We were we were in college together, and so we were sitting. I'd never had met my wife. I had seen her around campus, but I, we happened to be in the same class. It was an Old Testament theology class. And so midway through the class, I actually fell sound asleep, and my wife, <laughs> who I didn't know, because maybe some people put her up to this, but she wakes me up and whispers in my ear. She went, Craig, you got to stand up. And I went, you know, I woke up and went, what? And she said, yeah, the professor, he just called on you. And I went, you know, why? What, what am I supposed to do? And she said, he just called on you to pray. And, uh, and again, she's a stranger. Why would anybody make this up? And so I stood up from the back of this classroom and I started to pray out loud. And, uh, and as I started to hear laughter, um, you know, I, I finished praying. I sat down. Now the whole class, was they were laughing at me and, yeah, I wasn't sure what was going on until the professor says, Greg, appreciate your enthusiasm. Thanks for the prayer, but maybe next time you could let me finish lecturing before you close this in prayer. So that was it. I mean, when I, I, I just remember looking at her thinking, man, now that's the kind of girl I want to marry. Anybody that's playing that, play that kind of joke, 
out of total strangers. <laughs> She'd have to be fun to live with, you know, for the rest of my life. And uh, or at least I want to get her back and make her be with me for the rest <laughs> of her life. But uh, you know that that we so we started off. I mean, it was about four years later that we were married. And here I'm thinking, you know, I'm getting my doctorate in marriage and family. I came from this family, you know, marriage expert. And so I really thought we'd have an easy marriage. And uh, honestly, you guys, it was about two years into my marriage that, that I thought we were one more argument away from her leaving. And and we were stuck, and we were discouraged. We were confused. We weren't sure what was going on. But just, just, just we, we, we really poorly we're managing our conflicts our differences and that's why i would say to a to a newly married couple that you know every no matter what they do arguments are going to happen you know we're going to bump into differences we're, we're going to get into conflict that's normal but i think the key to starting off and making that marriage work is to really learn how to manage conflict and, and we didn't know how to do that and i'm telling you it almost cost us our marriage and 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 now that's why one of the one of the things I love to talk about is just to help couples how to really learn how to do conflict because I tell you conflict is actually can be the doorway into deeper intimacy when we walk when we learn how to walk through conflict and manage it well boy that that's when I learn more things about my wife I learn her needs her feelings you know I mean that, that there's that's the pot of gold at the end of the conflict rainbow, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and instead of avoiding it and, and being afraid of conflict, boy, I just love to help couples realize you know what let's 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 embrace conflict, but let's learn how to do it so we can learn and, and, and kind of reap these benefits. But it's not easy. I don't know about what you guys go through, but you know, conflict <laughs> is not easy. You guys are fighting before the show. <laughs> Pretty much, and and then we started during and in segment one. And yes. So what's a, what did you? I mean, conflict is a big. What what would be one or two things if you were if you had a couple sitting in your in your office right now and you said you guys need to learn he, some things about how to do conflict well? What would be the entry to that conversation? Yeah, you know, for me, probably the thing that 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 I've learned that has been the most helpful. Is, is just to realize that, that when my wife and I argue or, you know, we, something happens and I get hurt or she gets hurt or I'm frustrated, you know, whatever the conflict is, that when, when conflict happens, it happens because I get my buttons pushed. And I, I didn't know I had buttons, you know, before I got married. Mm-hmm. You know, they were always there, but I, just, I never would have thought about it that way. You know, think of like the, the you know, the, the staple, you know, little button, you know, the easy button. You know, we all have the easy button, and, and when people say things or do things, really that, that triggers some of our, our buttons, and buttons are just deeper emotions. You know, they're, they're just things that, you know, we're sensitive to that just get triggered. And so when, when, when we're in an interaction to where I'm hurt or frustrated, it's really the buttons that are getting pushed. And when my buttons get pushed, see, my heart instantly closes. If think about, you know, that little uh, roly-poly bug, you know, that we all, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it's called, mm-hmm. the pill bug, sow bug, you know, the mm-hmm. roly-poly bug. You know, when you flick that thing, it closes up into a tight little ball. And see, and that's what happens during conflict. My buttons get pushed, my heart closes, and then I start to react. And, and the problem is that when, when my heart is closed towards my wife, see, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much dangerous 
you know, I'm, I'm likely to say things or, or to do mm-hmm. things that, that are going to hurt her or that will make things worse. You know what I'm talking about? You, you yeah, know when absolutely. we all say things or do things, it's like, wow, where, where did that come from? You know, right. that came because my buttons got pushed and my heart shut down, my heart closed. And, and for me, that's, that's what's really, really been, been helpful is just to, to know that, that when, when my heart closes, you know, I'm, I'm, I have no business staying in this conversation with my wife. And nothing goes well. You know, I mean, that's, we've had the craziest things happen to us when, when our, both of our hearts are shut down. I remember one time she, we were, we were married probably, I don't know, six months. And, and I was sitting home bored. My wife's a nurse, and so she was working the night shift. So I was totally bored. And so I had nothing to do. And so I walked into our little, you know, we, again, new little place. But I walked into our master bedroom. And I just looked around, and I thought, you know, something's not right the way that my wife kind of re- you know, arranged the furniture and decorated it. just didn't look good to me. Yeah. Can we, can we finish that yeah. right after the break? I know I'm really interested. <laughs> What's it going to be said about this one? Hey, we're talking to Dr. Greg Smalley about his uh, new book, The Best Advice I Ever Got on Marriage. Join us right after the break, and we'll continue this story and many others. This is Real Life, Real Talk. We'll see you in just a few minutes. have a family member who's getting older and can no longer be safely left alone? Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care, assists senior citizens and adults to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Visiting Angels has over 400 franchised locations across the nation. Experienced, compassionate caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meal preparation, and light housework up to 24 hours a day. Rates are affordable, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. Visiting Angels has cared for hundreds of thousands of seniors nationwide. Franchises are available. Call Visiting Angels toll-free today at 877-374-LIVE. To find an office near you, visit www www.visitingangels.com For home care for your loved ones, call Visiting Angels now at 877-374-LIVE. That's Visiting Angels, America's choice in home care at 877-374-LIVE. Energy, immunity, vitality. We all want it. Hi, I'm Mike Buck for Nature Bee Plant Pollen. It's the answer. Try the health wonder from down under. Easy to digest because of our proprietary potentiation process. Broken cell wall technology makes it bioavailable so it goes buzzing right into your body. Stay mentally sharp. Meet the demands of the day with Nature Bee. Fresh from the hives in clean green New Zealand. A superfood. Free from petrochemicals, additives, preservatives, fillers, binders, sugar, no gluten, no dairy. Even diabetics can enjoy Nature Bee. Forget the handful of stuff you're taking already. Simple solution, two capsules a day of Nature Bee. You call toll-free to New Zealand, get a six-month supply right now for $99.95 plus delivery. Three extra months for free with Nature Bee's unconditional money-back guarantee. Come on, healthy goodness, praise in the Bible, 37 cents a day. Toll-free, 1-866-834-8355. Easier yet, collect your Nature Bee online at the website. Nature Bee, that's naturebee.com. If becoming or staying debt-free is important to you, you're not alone. Ten years ago, I was worried sick, overwhelmed with debt, and so tired of not having enough at the end of the month to make ends meet. I was working a full-time job but getting deeper in debt every month, and I hated being away from my children. 
I finally said, that's enough. And I made a decision to do whatever it took to get free from the terrible debt that was causing me so much stress. I'm Gina Neef, and I want to invite you to find the same financial freedom that I found. Not only did I pay my way out of debt, I was also able to leave my corporate job and work from home and be completely available to my family. For years now, I've worked part-time hours, making more than a full-time job would ever pay. I remember the pain of being in over my head, and I'll never forget the joy of becoming debt-free. That's why I show others how to do the same. If you're ready to work from home and find financial freedom, then I'm eager to show you how. Go to FindingFreedomNow.com. Discover how you can get free from debt. Go to FindingFreedomNow.com. Moses wrote in the book of Exodus that God created the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that are in them in six days, confirming what clearly is written in Genesis. Yet many people today scoff at the notion of Noah's flood a thousand years before the time of Moses and the rest of Genesis history too, saying that science and archaeology have proven it all false. But should you dare go to this website, GenesisVeracityFoundation.com, you'll see that biblical history is certainly to believe, all of it, considering while you read that if the early portions of the Bible are not real history, then where in the Bible does real history begin to be recorded? Do you see the slippery slope? Write down the website now, please. It's GenesisVeracityFoundation.com. Veracity is spelled V-E-R-A-C-I-T-Y. That's GenesisVeracityFoundation.com. The science of the future. Old school, man. Talking to Dr. Greg Smalley, author of a new book, or at least part of the compilation of the new book, The Best Advice I Ever Got on Marriage, and some funny stories already right in the first Yeah, I know. It's going to pick up where I left off. <laughs> That's right. So, Greg, welcome back. You were right in the middle of, uh, of a story about, uh, about you and your wife, and so we'd love to hear the end of that. I've been waiting all break to hear the end of it, so good to have you. Well, you know, we, so we had been married six months. She's a nurse. She's working. I was bored. I went into our little master bedroom area and just thought that it looked weird. It just didn't seem to be decorated furniture right. I mean, none of that. So for some odd reason, I thought that I would just rearrange our bedroom. And it, this That's a great idea. My, yeah. This would show my wife that I loved her because I'm taking an interest. And uh, so I, I totally <laughs> took the bedroom apart, put the bed on a new side of the wall and room and moved furniture. And I mean, did everything. And kind of stepped back and went, all right, this looks great. And then I turned the lights off and went to bed. And so my poor wife comes home early in the morning. And, uh, you know, she didn't want to turn on any lights to wake me up. I mean, you know, we're newlyweds. And uh, and, and why should she? Because, she, you know, she knew the pathway to get from our bed right. to the bathroom. She just didn't know I totally altered that pathway. Right. And so oh, she, sadly, and this is a true story. She, she, the first thing she hit was a little table thing that I had moved with a lamp and knocked that over. But her shin got caught up, her legs got caught up in the little legs as it up into the table, and it kind of scraped up her shin. It just took layers of skin off. So she oh. screams out in pain, and, but it trips her, and she hits a pair of, we had this wooden pair of antique skis in the corner, and she knocks those over as she slams into the wall as she trips, oh, and the skis oh fall over and hit the shelf that I'd, remove, that I'd repositioned that contained every one of her precious moment figurines that she'd collected in her whole life. And those don't do well. 
falling from height. No. And uh, so they fell one by one, and so the skis continue to fall over oh. and land next to the bed. Well, I wake up to someone screaming and things banging and glass breaking. So what do you think I'm thinking? Someone broke in. Exactly. We're being robbed. <laughs> and so the whole fight or flight thing kicks in. Well, I'm not going to find anybody in the dark. So I go to run out of our room, and I forget I've moved our bed. And so I ran smack into the wall. And uh, the next thing I know, you know, the light turns on, and my wife takes one look at me and then looks around and screams, Where am I? You know? And I said, Surprise, honey. You know, welcome home. And, uh, needless to say, we ended up talking about my uh, my decoration uh, for about an hour it seems like but that was that was one of the very first kind of major arguments that I remember having with my wife and again what I just didn't know like my wife said something like you know well you know why why didn't you call me and, and ask me if I was okay with this and you know I'm thinking well why you know it's my room too you know, and you start having this discussion. She goes, what kind of husband stays home on a Friday night and rearranges the bedroom anyway? You know? Maybe so, I had please. that thought already about five minutes ago. What you saying? <laughs> well, thank you for not saying it, at least out loud. Um, you know, it, but, but again, as we started to have these conversations and the things she said to me and what I was saying back to her, you know, yeah. it, it, it triggered these buttons. And then yeah. my heart shut down, her heart shut down. Now we're reacting to each other, and boom, we're in this big argument. And that's why, again, for me, I think con- we, we begin to learn how to manage conflict just by being aware that you're going to have buttons that are going to get pushed, your heart will close, which is dangerous, and then you're going to react to each other. And, and, and just knowing that now has made a huge, huge difference because now the question is, okay, so what – what do I do then when, when people push my buttons? Because it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I was driving to work and someone cut me off. That pushed mm-hmm. a button. And thank mm-hmm. goodness I didn't do anything because the person pulled right into where I work. <laughs> so that would have been awkward. Yes. But you know what I'm saying? Think- so, I mean, it's, it's a matter yeah. of learning how to, how to deal with when your buttons get pushed. Absolutely. Part of what Rob and I were talking about in the segment before you came on is just that, you know, after 20-plus years of marriage, you realize you kind of conflict about the same kinds of things, even though circumstances are different, whatever, people are different, but you find it all boils down to the same kind of reoccurring themes. Yeah. I I was saying to Rob, this is where our... our Oh, geez, we're going to air this again. Conflict (laughs) began. Is that... I'm here to help you. Let me know how it goes. Okay, I'm like, how are we a marriage expert on the air to help us? You know, I was saying, I I just am the girl with the cup half full. Like, I believe that he who began a good work in me cares in all the completion, that that there's hope that the things that we conflict about could be resolved. And and Rob was kind of taking more... Yeah, the non-biblical can't quote no, 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 version. No, 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 no. <laughs> Ken Blanchard said that the, the the change in his life happened when he realized that he and his wife married total packages. And so if you want all the package and none of the package, you take all the package. And with all the package, it comes with the pieces that you conflict with. And so right. he was saying that, you know, what he's found successful in his beautiful marriage with his wonderful wife is is just 
you know, recognizing some of these things aren't going to change and taking a spirit of acceptance, which I know has worked for you. And mm-hmm. I like your wife a lot, and so she's clearly accepted all that. Greg is wondering where the show is going. I'm just saying, <laughs> do you think there's any hope in the area of conflict that, that you could get past the things? Are, are, are yeah. our listeners who are having ongoing, recurring yeah. conflict with their spouses, is there hope that you can get ever past that hump, or do you just have to learn how to manage it well? Yeah, I, I think it's a combination that, I, again, I think it goes back to that when we argue those buttons get pushed. Well, I've had to learn what, what my buttons are, and the biggest one I have is feeling like a failure. That when mm-hmm. when my wife, all she has to say is that, hey, you know what, um, later on we need to have a talk. <laughs> and, and what I hear is that you have screwed up again as a husband, and you are failing miserably, and I'm going to help correct that. You know, and, and that may have nothing to do with what she wants to talk about. She may want to talk about the kids or a friend of hers or whatever, but I so quickly go to that place that I've made a mistake and that I'm failing. And that, to me, is the biggest button. You know, my wife's button, if she was here, she'd tell you about it. It's feeling invalidated. You know, when, when someone doesn't validate how she feels or her opinion, you know, but especially her emotions. And, and that's what's so hard is that when I feel like a failure, see, and my heart closes, I react by defending myself. I'll try to tell her, well, hey, now hold on now, um, because there's a couple of things that I've been meaning to talk to you about as well, and you're not perfect <laughs> either. And, you know, my right. hope is that if I can, you know, explain myself or help her to understand that, that, that you know, there won't be a problem. You know, if you just would give me a second to, to explain what happened, you could see that I'm, I'm not a failure, you know? And, and, and so to answer your question, Beth, I think that, that one, that, that feeling like a failure, that was something that I brought into our marriage. That happened over years and years and years. I think Satan writes lies in our hearts. That's a part of what yes. he does. And somewhere yeah. along the line, I got a big old lie written on my heart that you're a failure. And so I'm so sensitive to that. But see, that's why, I, I, you know, I've, I've, I go to the Lord around that. I mean, he's done amazing things around that, that lie and, and that sense mm-hmm. of feeling like a failure. But you mm-hmm. know how Paul talks about the thorn in his side? Mm-hmm. You know, I, Absolutely. You know, I feel like sometimes that, that for me, that, that, that button, that feeling failed, feeling like a failure is kind of like that thorn in my side that, you know, God could, you know, God could take that away. You know, I, I could be healed completely of that. But on the other hand, you know what? It keeps me dependent upon him. It keeps me going to him. You know, because, you know, people aren't the source of truth in my life. So when people do things and I feel like I'm failing or, you know, if I do something that makes me feel like a failure, you know, the trick is to go to the Lord and ask him, you know, what's true about me yeah. right now? You know, and I love that he says in John eight thirty two, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen. You know, and so, so yeah, I think in some ways that some of these buttons that we have that, that trigger these arguments and conflicts, I definitely think that they can be erased. I think lies can be erased off of our heart. Will it happen always? Probably not. It hadn't for me, all of them yet. And therefore, yeah. I just say, so therefore, just who cares? People are going to push your buttons. Who cares? Learn how to mm-hmm. manage it. Learn to, mm-hmm. what, what do I do then? When, when, when I'm feeling like a failure, or I'm feeling controlled, or I'm feeling unloved, or disrespected, or, you know, whatever the button is. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's more important, is just that we learn how to deal with it. Yeah. Well, when you see people in your marriage um, 
you know, in your practice and all that? What, what are the reoccurring themes that um, you see? Yeah, you know, I, I think like uh, people, you know, some deal with feeling unloved, some, you know, deal with feeling rejected or abandoned. A lot of women, yeah. you know, deal with sort of, I, I would say that a lot of the buttons for women are revolve around feeling unloved or devalued. You know, that rejection, yeah. abandonment, that, that's a big one for a lot of women. And, you know, for guys, I see it revolving around sort of this failure, inadequate, don't measure up, you know, not good enough. Those are some of the things right. that I see. Right. Hey, are you able to join us just for a couple minutes on the backside of this break? Oh, absolutely. Oh, great. Well, join us. Uh, we're going to finish up with uh, Greg Smalley right after this break, and uh, we'd love to have you join us. This is Real Life, Real Talk. I'm Rob. That's Beth. We'll be back in just a minute. Last October, I went on a back-to-back mission trip to Nigeria, where I had a chance to meet the boy I sponsored through back-to-back. The moment I met him, it became real that Jeremiah was not just a boy in a picture. He was a boy with dreams, hopes, and a story just like my own kids. At that moment, I saw how back-to-back is changing the lives of orphans around the world. I realized that in the same way I'm here for my children to be part of their stories, I can also be part of Jeremiah's. In the same way that my children can be a brother or sister to each other, they can care for Jeremiah. They can write him letters and share their stories as they grow up. We can help him to receive an education and food to fill his stomach. But more importantly, we can be involved in his life and encourage him to follow his dreams. I learned that sponsoring a child through back-to-back is not just about financial support for an orphan. It is about allowing God to intertwine your story and your heart with a child in need. For more information on sponsoring an orphan like Jeremiah through Back to Back, contact 513-754-0300 or email at childsponsorship at back2back.org. Talk. I'm Rob Hall, Beth Kuchenberger. This has been one of the most enjoyable shows. I have just loved, I love listening to, to Greg tell stories, and he knows so much stuff. And yeah. Greg, thanks so much for being here. And, uh, and being practical. Absolutely. Being practical. The biggest thing, uh, yeah, the biggest thing is just how can people connect? Uh, are your books available online? You know, uh, how can they connect with, the, with your work? Yeah, you know, if you go to smalleymarriage.com, so S-M-A-L-L-E-Y, marriage.com, um, I actually have right there on the, the homepage, there's a free test that will show you what your buttons are and how you tend to react. Oh. So you can figure that out if you're interested in what we've been talking about. Absolutely. And what about, you know, I, I'm, I'm just thinking about the listener who who is... Um, thinking, I've got conflict in my marriage. Is it enough to go talk to someone? Is it something we can handle ourselves? You know, there's some stigma about admitting to a third party that it's not all as great as you want it to look like it is, that you're at a, you know, you're at a kind of a struggle point. Could you just encourage folks or take the stigma out of going for counseling, whether it's premarital or postmarital or 20-year marital or whatever it is, you know, just the, the power in getting that, you know, getting some good thinking and conversation around what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the bottom line is that we all struggle. We all go through seasons to where it may feel very, very hopeless. You may feel very helpless. You know, we all do this. And there's nothing wrong with going in 
in, in, in asking someone, hey, sit with us, hear about what we're going through, help us get perspective. And, you know, that's what a good counselor will do. will listen, help get perspective, and then hopefully give some practical ways to deal with this. There's so much great information out there. That, that you know that I don't know. I mean, there's I'm learning. My wife and I every Christmas we read a marriage book together because we don't. You know what? We're growing. We want to we want to stay sharp. And mm-hmm. and you know, and I think I think a great marriage happens because we're willing to invest in it. We don't we 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 don't fall into the myth that you can put your marriage on cruise control or autopilot and kind of do yeah. life. You know, be yeah. busy. It, you know, marriage is something that takes work, and I think one of the best things that we can do is to work on our marriage is to go in for counseling, read books, go to a marriage seminar. Man, that, those things are so helpful. And, and just believing that every year it can get better, that it's not as good as it was. You know, as good as it's going to get is not in the past. It's still yet to come. And just Absolutely. believing. Absolutely, because yeah. it's, it's about seasons. You know, we all go through seasons. You know, right now my wife and I are in a season to where, you know, we've launched our first, our oldest child, Taylor, into college. And so we're dealing with that. Uh, my wife, about eight weeks ago, had to have some significant surgery. And so, I mean, we're, we're in that season. I'm learning, relearning, you know, wh- how do I meet my, my wife's needs now that she's lost, you know, that our oldest daughter's gone and she's had some health problems. You know, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's a new season. And I feel like mm-hmm. if, we, if we pictured our marriage as just a series of just seasons, you know, some will be amazing. You know, some will be easy. Some are going to be so busy and exhausting and, and full of strife and, and hurt and pain. And, and yet, you know what, a, a new season is always around the corner. And so just mm-hmm. because it feels hard now, it doesn't mean that it's going to be hard or painful right around mm-hmm. the bend. And that's what I love. And, you know, I love thinking about marriage. Um, I don't know, maybe there's a guy thing. So, Beth, maybe you're like, you're weird. But, you know, I love to think of marriages. Remember the Lewis and Clark? Remember the, the trip that they went on? You know, the exploration mm-hmm. called the Core right. of Discovery? I love the thought that marriage is a core of discovery, that we're in this canoe together. And we don't know what's going to be around the next bend, around the next corner. Is it going to be rapids? You know, or is it going to be mm-hmm. smooth, you know, waters to where we can, you know, play it and jump off the bluffs and drink cocoa from the sandbar or, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that's what I love. My marriage is an adventure. And I love yes. that, that, I'm, that, I've, that my wife gets to be with me in this canoe with our kids sitting in the middle. And, and we're, we're just going. And you just don't know what's going to be around the next corner. And that's why we've got yeah. to keep growing and learning and investing in one another. Well, with this, with uh, the idea that you and your wife read marriage books every year, when does when does this book come out? The best advice I ever got on marriage. When when's uh, when do you anticipate the release date? You know, I think it's. I, I want to say that it's it's either it's very soon. It's either very end of September or the first part of October. So it's coming out. And, and to your point, what I love about it is there's so many different people that are giving sort of yeah. their best of, hey, you know, at all these years, here's what I love the most. It really is a great book. Yeah. You've got to be taking that girl of yours out to breakfast this morning because I just. I, it's just could, a story, yeah, however long ago that was. <laughs> no, that, that's say, what I'm saying. You and all of our <laughs> listeners, spend this Saturday appreciating the person that God gave you because yeah. you are on an adventure. Yeah. yeah. Well, Greg, thanks so much for joining us. It was great. Great hearing your stories. The book is fabulous. And uh, again, give the website one more time. 
smalleymarriage.com. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks so much, Craig. We hope to catch up with you again sometime soon. Oh, anytime. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks. Have Thank a good you. day. Well, how about that? I know. A marriage book every Christmas. I like that. I like that idea. What's the last marriage book you read? Oh, jeez. Golly. I mean, we're picking up again. What's the, <laughs> the last marriage book I ever read? I think the, I think the last marriage book I read was called The Exceptional 7%. And it was it was a book about I you never know heard of it. yeah see okay, okay, so be back careful what you ask it's been a couple of years because you know I'm kind of out of the counseling realm I de- but I may pick up this idea of reading a marriage book every year anyway the statistics show that out of marriages there are plenty of happy marriages unhappy marriages and then there's this exceptional seven percent of marriages and uh, what the common threads are amongst that exceptional seven percent and quite honestly when I read it. I, we can I mean, it would be extraordinary. I mean, I don't consider myself part of the exceptional 7%. I mean, it was amazing. We can adopt some of those things. But anyway, it was a very interesting read about what Sounds some of the most involved exceptional marriages, what makes a part of those marriages. So. Interesting. There you go. You didn't stump me on that one. I, well, I'm, uh, I just picked up a couple weeks ago Mark Driscoll out of Seattle's new marriage book. And um, I think it's called Real Marriage. It's got a red cover. Um, and <laughs> that is just like you. I don't know what the name of it is, but it's got a red cover. And I'm, I'm digging to Chapter 7, and I really like it. But I like it because it, it's both him and his wife, Grace, who oh, co-authored it. Okay. So there's sometimes when she's, you know, it says I, and then in parentheses it'll say Grace or yeah. I, Mark. And you kind of, one, because, you know, if a woman writes a marriage book, mm-hmm. It's pretty one-sided, and when a man yeah. writes a marriage book, it's pretty one-sided. I yeah. just like the, the bantery piece of yeah. it. I, I want to remind people, you know, last week we had a, a fabulous show. Steve Biondo, uh, Biondo was here from um, the James Fund. This show, I mean, there are people who need to hear these shows. Mm-hmm. And if you want to see to hear any of the shows or direct somebody to shows that we've had on before, you go to BethKuchenberger.com. There's an entire list of all the shows we've ever done, and uh, these last two, and there's some other great ones on there. So Beth Kuchenberger.com. If you know somebody who could really benefit from hearing uh, Dr. Smalley or Steve Biondo from the week before, Chris Beard is going to be on next week. Just an incredible story of the transformation of a kind of an urban church where most of the folks were white that lived in the suburbs and the transformation of this church into a multinational, multiracial church. It's really a great story. So Chris is going to be on next week. So some great shows if you want to, if you want to hear those. BethKuchenberger.com. Hmm, great idea. Well, I think um, I think today. I hope it. You know, if our heart is to create conversations and people for the rest of the day today. I mean, I think there's plenty of things to talk about plenty. from today's show. I mean, I think asking you and your spouse to come up with what is the reoccurring theme, even though maybe it doesn't sound like the same fight over mm-hmm. and over again. It's the same button. It's the same button. Yeah. And and going online to that smear knowledge. SmallyMarriage.com And taking that survey, you know, you might not really need this yeah. survey. Your spouse probably can tell you what your buttons are. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we intuitively know how to get a reaction out of yeah. each other. But um, it, it could be just good fodder for conversation. You know, it's a Saturday morning, quite honestly. What would be a great weekend? Get online. Go to, go to SmallyMarriage.com. Take the survey. Have your spouse take the survey. Go out to dinner tonight. 
have a couple laughs. It doesn't have to be that serious. Laugh a little bit about the things in your own life that make you vulnerable. or It could be a, a really great date. I think it could be, too. Or you could just fight and record it. That's and right. And then you could go back and watch it and see. That's right. It could be like our first segment of the show. <sighs> just saying. <laughs> Just saying, yeah. you know, and I think even even his his reference to that story that happened six months into their marriage when some things kind of fell apart. Doing some of that reminiscing together and yeah. recognizing we don't fight like that we did. That's before. right. Or we, we survived those things, and we can we can survive whatever comes up next. That you know. seasonal metaphor that that how it's been is not how it is, and how it That's is right. is not how it will be. That's exactly right. So, great show today. And Chris Beard is joining us next week. How do, how do you, I mean, I know Chris from a certain per place. How do you know Chris? Um, I know Chris because I spoke in the church that he's going to be talking uh, about um, okay. next week. And I'm excited because their, their tagline, you know, I speak all over the country, you know, at least twice a month. And people's taglines are like, growing up our body in, yeah, sure. in the Word. Yeah, and, whatever. Or their tagline is, you know, creating mature believers to send out to the world. Or You know, it's, right. it's like 75 ways to say the same thing. Right. Their tagline is uh, intending to be, well, he'll tell us exactly, but it's basically to being generationally rich and ethnically diverse or something yeah. that like just catches your eye because you just never seen anything like that before. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's a nice goal, but is that in fact a reality? Yeah. And I stepped out on the stage and looked out in the audience and I thought, holy cow, this Absolutely is international is. Yeah. As, a, as a church I've ever been in. Yeah, and the thing that is so powerful about their story then it, it is their story mm -hmm. it is the the people's church that's the name of their church it is their story what's so powerful about it is through real intentional focus they said we want to do what the world has been unable to do mm -hmm. and that is to put a group of diverse people together uh, and they give all of the you know, all the glory to, to God for being able to do that, to, to say our church is now a real representation of what the world looks like. Mm -hmm. And, you know, most most churches, including the one that I attend, you know, that is not really part, it's part of, it's a picture of what neighborhood they live in. Mm -hmm. But through intentionality, this church said, we are going to do something. We are going to embrace diversity and all of the messiness that that sometimes brings. And we're going to do it well and give glory to God for doing it. And so it's, it'll be a great story. So come back next week and make sure you listen in. Uh, and we often talk about community, whether we're talking about community that we can experience in National Orphans like last week or whether this week community that we need to have within our own marriage yeah. or next week. Yeah, um, community in our church. Yeah. So great show today. Yep. You know, great show next week. BethCookenburger.com has all of the back shows. So join us next week. This is Real Life, Real Talk. I'm Rob. That's Beth. We hope you have a great Saturday. We'll see you next week.